today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I preview the Sixers' second-round series against the Boston Celtics. Going over Joel Embiid's sprained right knee, how they can overcome his absence if he does miss time, how they will look to defend Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics, especially if Joel Embiid is compromised physically at all, what our keys to the series are, and finally, our predictions. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. You know, Rich, you have definitely lived here long enough to realize it's the hope that kills you. How you doing, buddy? Sigh. <laughs> I, 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 it's just, it's just that we talk all year about this time of year, and we talk about all these games, and look, the regular season has meaning to us. It's there are tons of fans out there that their ritual is to watch seventy plus games of this team, follow along with every crazy trade rumor, watch highlights, whatever it is. We are back at the beginning of the second round, which again yeah. is the round that these guys can't get past, and we're dealing with this shit again. It sucks. It does, and you know we we have never. And look, I'm not going to write their tombstone yet. Not even for this year. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We've never been able to say, like, well, I wonder what Joel Embiid, healthy, with a decent supporting cast, because the one year he was healthy was the year that Ben Simmons was not. I wonder what a healthy Embiid with a reasonable supporting cast can do in the playoffs. I just want that question answered. And it's looking more and more like we're not going to get that chance this year. And if they are able to advance past the Boston Celtics here in the second round, it will be because of a Herculean effort from a looks-like-pretty-injured Joel Embiid. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. So I guess we have to start off with the big guy and the right knee sprain. It was just reported earlier tonight from Sham Sharania that it is more than a grade 1 LCL sprain, which... A lot of estimates for how long that will take, uh, but it is, I think, a little worse than a lot of us initially feared. There was that initial timeline of potentially just missing a week. He has not really been back to practice yet here, and we are recording this on su- Saturday night, almost said Sunday. I don't even know what day it is, which is bad because I have to travel on Sunday. He did some light shooting on, what was that, Thursday? I think Thursday's practice, he did some light stationary shooting. I think he did some today, too. Wednesday, he did, like, workout band exercises that we saw. But he hasn't really... Wor- and who, who knows? You know, I think Doc Rivers today... I think. I was right fucking there. Doc Rivers today said that he... If he was a betting man, he would call him... I don't know why. I have, like, that thing where I just say, I think, when I know. I'm saying a fact. Doc Rivers today at practice said that if he were a betting man, he would say he is doubtful for game one. Now, we went back and we looked at it. You know, in last year's game three against the Heat, he was listed as doubtful for that that game as well. Doubtful does not mean out, but I think if you and I were betting man, we are we would not bet on Joel being Joel Embiid, I can't even speak, being available for game one. And that sucks. It sucks. It sucks. And I think Shams's report goes to show if he plays tomorrow and he looks reasonably healthy. Monday. Sorry. We really need to get our day straight since we have to travel. (laughs) 
if he plays on Monday and he is reasonably healthy. Wait, wait, wait. Then- were, were you doing that thing where like, no, because we're probably going to release this tonight. I thought maybe you were playing like 8D chess and like like projecting when we would release a podcast. But we'll probably post it tonight. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to give you more credit than you deserved. Thank you. I'm all over so, the place. I don't know what's wrong with me. You are all over the place. Well, you know, Joel got injured. So if he if he plays and he looks reasonably good, we can conclude that this has been the biggest smokescreen in the history of sports. And so look, I, I had a lot of people today when I said, like, oh man, this is like a little bit of a sad a season lot of for the Sixers. Believe that. Yep. A lot of people believe it's a smokescreen. And look. I get it a little bit why people think that we have said many a time on this podcast, Doc Rivers relationship with the truth is yep. flimsy. You know, it's like hit or yep. miss. He like says yep. hello to the truth, says goodbye to it. And, you know, getting every update directly from him, that that's mostly been what we've gotten. I know the Sixers in the background have, have said a few things, but for the most part, it's been through doc and doc has been pretty adamant since even before game four against the nets that like, uh, this, you know, this might take a little while. Uh, so if he does not, or if he does play in that game, we, we will be the first people to say, well, Sixers were lying. They thought the gamesmanship was that important to just completely lie to, uh, to their fan base. I think that that's a long way of saying, I, don't think they're lying. Yeah. I don't. Uh, to your point, if Joel Embiid was fine, I think Doc Rivers would probably be saying almost the exact same thing because he believes in that gamesmanship. I don't think he's lying, though. I think I think this one is a legitimate response. All right. So we'll I guess we'll, we'll see. But, but I just wanted to get that off the top because when the headline is Doc Rivers says he's doubtful, a lot of people say, hey, Doc said a lot of stuff that isn't yeah. true. And that. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get it. Uh, but haven't seen Joel do anything on the court. You know, that would be be quite a move if they just were like, Joe, go in the back. Don't do not do your after practice shooting routine. Um, but, you know, I think Shams' report goes to show that I think he's dealing with a fairly significant sprain here. So, yep, I agree. Okay. So, so I guess. No, go ahead. And can I just say, it sucks. Like, it's really the same sucks. thing as last year. They're playing a really hard series that they are underdogs in. They're bigger underdogs this year because the team they're playing this year is better Much than the better. one yep. from last year. I think they're better as well. They need him. They, the yep. first game all season that I can say, they definitively need Joel Embiid. Yeah, okay, they would have lost a bunch of other games if they didn't have him during the regular season. They need him tomorrow night they, or Monday night, whatever. They need him, whatever day. Game one is it's moved a bunch because of Boston's growing up against Atlanta and he's not here again. It's the same thing as last year. And it's, uh, it's like you said, very unlucky, uh, player Joel is, but man, it just sucks. It happens every year. And, and for people following them, even us, we don't even, I don't even root as hard. Like I, I don't root like I used to. I just want to see them have an actual chance to prove if they're good enough to win a title or not. And there's a chance that we we're not going to see that again. Yep. Because we can sit here and we can talk about Harden and whether we are any more encouraged after having a week off from that round one performance. We can talk about 
the addition of Jalen McDaniels or Paul Reed sort of grabbing that backup center spot and the way that that backup unit is sort of different. We can talk about Tyrese Maxey and maybe he can come over some of the Boston Demons. We can talk about how well Tobias Harris played in that first round. We can talk about we can talk about playoff PJ, although playoff PJ is going to be tested a little more in this series, but we'll get to that later. We can talk about all of that. None of that matters if Joel Embiid isn't the best player on the floor because that is the one advantage the Sixers have over this team, and it's going to be real tough for him unless something unless Doc's completely blown smoke up our ass. It's going to be real tough for him to be the best player on the floor. So I guess we'll sort of start off there. Start off with Embiid. Shocker. Never saw that one coming. In terms of his injury, outside of missing a game, because I think we both expect he will probably miss game one, possibility he misses game two, not sure anything is definite right now. He, I mean, he has to go to, through a practice and see how he responds before he even knows. And who knows if it doesn't sound like he'll even get a chance to go through a practice. It's just, it's so uncertain. Like, it, as much as we know that it's a significant sprain, it's just how he feels. So maybe yeah. one day he's like, I can play. I'll, I'll gut through this or whatever. It, you just feel ridiculous talking about it because it's just like I, I don't know. Yeah. What's uh, what's your biggest when he does finally get back on the floor? What's your biggest concern with how that will impact him? Well, his his movement is cutting, and yeah, it, I think first off they need to get him on the floor. That's the first thing, and and does help. if Doc yeah. is to be to be believed, and we'll see. Again, he's, he's full of shit. I just don't think he's lying this specific time. If he's to be believed here. Then he'll miss a game, maybe two. We'll see. Two days can help in this with this injury, no matter how severe. I mean, if it's grade three, then it's bad, but I don't think it's grade three. The problem is, once he comes back, this is the worst team to play against. This team yeah. makes him play in space more than anybody. And, yep. you know, I, I talked to a doctor this week. I think every Philadelphia reporter talked to a doctor this week for those stories. Those are very easy content stories during injuries we have a lot of practice doing with these <laughs> yes. teams as well i by the way i have a person who puts me in touch with the curlin job institute in uh california which great hospital all of those things i have that guy online and he is able to set me up with the doctor and i've i've used the guy like 10 times for the yeah. sixers it's crazy so talking to a doctor this week it's not like running in a straight line. That's going to like Joe might be able to do that at some point. He might even be able to jump at some point. It's the cutting. It's the, the back and forth movement. It's the sudden cuts and moves that you have to make to defend. And unfortunately, Boston, not a huge team, not a like beat them up physically team. They spread the Sixers out to an impossible degree. And the Sixers guards suck guarding Boston's perimeter players, which puts more pressure on Embiid to either rotate, get back to Horford, do all of those things. They need him to be Batman on the back line. And so even if he does come back, there's a lot of skepticism on like, what what does he look like? Like how quick is he cutting? Like, yeah, you would rather play with him than not, but what type of version are you going to get? And that just adds on another layer of, uh, of uncertainty. So that worries me. I mean, it's a tale as old as time. I remember... 2018 playoffs, we were up there. You wrote a great story on game one, Horford five-out offense, the long closeouts that Embiid had to do. It's the same story, except Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are better players now. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe's hurt. So that's where we're at. 
And it's a it's a bad injury for this specific. That was sort of what I was trying to lead you into. I'm much more concerned about the defensive side of the floor than I am on offense. He is big enough, strong enough, skilled enough, smart enough. He will figure out a way to score points. It is how do you put out the fires that he needs to put out the fires for against this five out offense. And you almost wish that they would, you know, play Robert Williams just a ton because at least that will give him somebody he can defend and not move as much. I have a feeling Boston's going to be smarter than that. And when they go Horford... In addition addition to that, too, Robert Williams is always an injury risk, too. And they might say, hey, buddy, take this series off because we think we can win without you in this series. But they put Horford at the five. And yeah, that'll that'll probably help Joel out offensively a little bit, which, again, they'll need. But they need him to put out a lot of fires on defense. And this is a team where if you're just going to play drop coverage because Embiid can't move enough to really do anything else and you take away any of the other options you're going to see Jason Tatum just shoot over him all series long. And we've seen that play out before. They're a tough team to defend anyway. You put an immobile Embiid out there, who, by the way, not only is he might he miss a game or two to start, not only is there that risk of re- or further injury or making it worse, but like he might be 60% of the defender he previously was. And with this team and the personnel they have and the guards they have and the team they're going up against, 60% of a defender isn't enough. And it's... I don't know how you sort of reconcile that. Well, especially because during the regular season, I would say he is 80% of the defender he can be. And sure. we saw in the first round, he's 100%. Like, he's yep. actually going all out. And that was one of the arguments for the Sixers making this a closer series than it would have been in the regular season. It's that Joe's going to play harder. And when he's locked in defensively, he's a much better player than... uh than we see in the in the regular season. And I'm just thinking back to, you know, him playing drop coverage against these guys. Now, I know Kemba Walker isn't on the team and he had a big series. I'm just thinking of that 2020 yep. bubble mercy sweep where he's back in that drop and they're just raining hellfire on pick and rolls where, when he's not high enough at the level. And frankly, you know, I was thinking about this during the year because I was anticipating the Boston matchup the entire year, which again is why this sucks. <laughs> I thought at some point they were going to have to play switch everything and, and just say, Joe, yep. maybe not the entire game, but there's going to be some possessions where the Sixers say, you know what? You're not getting these BS Al Horford pick and pops. We are going to switch Joe on to Tatum. If you want to post Al Horford up against Tobias or somebody, please go ahead. Uh, now that seems like a harder, like, that seems hard, like guarding Jason yeah. Tatum with yeah. a knee that we don't know how it's uh, how it's functioning. So, look, uh, man, this is like the most down we've ever been on a pod. But I, it's just oh, it, I don't it's, know it's about why, that. We've had some pretty depressing moments, but this is not great. It is not where I wanted to be heading into round two and a chance to rewrite the narrative. That's for sure. Look, if they win, they're really going to rewrite the narrative because I, they are massive dogs going in this series with uh with this news and it's just it's hard I think you need Joe to be as good of a defender as he was in the first round which was absolutely terrific it's gonna be hard I know <laughs> even if he gets that weak and even if he gets up to you know I love how we always throw out maybe you'll get up to 90 percent by Friday yeah. we don't freaking know like we, we don't know what percent he'll be at uh I'm sure he'll be wearing a brace when he comes back but uh I'm much more worried about the defensive end because they have the ability to go five out 
and really put the Sixers in a bind because they're just matchups. They can just go by the, the Sixers perimeter players putting Joe in a bind. And uh, you don't want a guy with a knee brace in a bind. No, no, you don't. And it is such a tough conversation to have because we're at, we have so little information. Like we haven't seen him do anything more than legitimately that band exercise workout is all we've seen of him all week. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So do you, so do you think, let, let's talk about the offensive side when he comes back. Do you think they'll, because Boston has been a team throughout his career that it, it's, it's like you were talking about, like defensively is where you're more concerned with Joe. They're not the Nick nurse. We're going to throw double teams from every which angle or, or Brooklyn. Like we're doubling you as soon as they catch the ball. They, they single cover him a lot. And there's a reason Joe's had some big games against them in his career. Um, I guess, do you expect them to do that again when he comes back? If he comes back? God, let's let's not go to if. Can we not go to if? Well, can we go to when? Let's just keep it at when. I can't go completely dark on this podcast. And I think he will come back at some point in this series, barring a setback in practice, which we don't have any evidence of. Yeah, I mean, you know, they do that thing where they sort of like half help. Uh, they get play a little bit in between. Mm-hmm. It's a lot less aggressive than Brooklyn because Brooklyn, they'd, you know, they'd bring the basically double from the guy closest to him and have that guy then cover a couple stops away, usually in the corner, give them a little more time to recover back. Also give the Sixers, if they are crisp on their passes, a chance to get the ball in the corner, which is why you saw a preposterous amount of corner three-point shots from the Sixers. Boston just, you know, they half help, get their hands in there, and they have the athletes and less ground to cover, so they're able to get back on the shooters. You don't see that sort of uptick in three-point shooting that you do against someone like Toronto, against somebody like Brooklyn here last week. And I think they're pretty comfortable doing that. And will Joel Embiid score 40 at some point? Possibly. But I think especially with the injury and the fact that they are probably a little more confident now that they can get their perimeter players going against the Sixers, they don't really need to junk it up as much as maybe they would have with a healthy Embiid. I think they will probably be a little bit more conservative now, if anything, with this injury because they probably feel like they have a little more margin for error. So yeah, I think, I don't think they're going to rewrite the wheel in terms of how they defend Embiid, even though it's probably a little tough for them to defend him now than it was in previous years. when you had, you know, someone like Baines, somebody a little bigger size. And I think you saw it play out in a regular season where Joel Embiid had a lot of individual success, but now with a, what was that? Man bun. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think they'll live with Embiid torching them because I just, I, I think they feel like they can probably, have enough success offensively and deny these six shooters shots. And who knows if Embiid's even able to drop 50 right now, because who knows if he can do that face up stuff that he was. So the problem is, I think if he was healthy, they were going to have a real decision to make because it's, it's true. It's exactly like you said. And the guy who I picture is, is Tatum just in the gaps. Like he's the first guy helping. He's playing basically in between Embiid and the next guy, whether uh, Embiid was on the post and he's, he's in the top and he's kind of two steps from Embiid and two steps from the, the three point shooter. They've been doing that still this year, even as Embiid has kind of migrated up to the free throw line nail area. If he was healthy, he is, I don't want to say that that coverage is obsolete because the Celtics don't give up a ton of threes, to the Sixers and their other advantages to it. But it is obsolete, I think, in stopping Joe. Like yeah. he, when you play in the gaps, you're basically saying, "Okay, if you have a straight line drive on this guy, uh, we're not going to get there in time." 
But you have to be decisive and you have to be quick enough to make that move before the help gets there. Yeah, and you saw it in that 52-point game. He had some unbelievable, like, jab step left. Yeah. Grant Williams takes that half step and then he's by him. You know, Cornette, Horford even. Like, just, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, Maybe he wouldn't get all the way past Al, but he would get him off balance and he would drive him down to the to the area where it's basically death and taxes for him. Is he decisive enough? That's, that's a great way to put it. That's, a, that's another area. So unfortunately, like I think when he comes back, I'll, I'll make it when. Thank you. I, th- I think he's going to put up a lot. He's going to have the chance to put up a lot of points is my uh, is my read on this because they've had a strategy and they've had a philosophy against him for a long time. And now that he is perhaps a little bit compromised, I think they're going to lean into it even more. It would make sense to me that they would. So where can they make up some of this? Where, where Who can you exploit to try to cover up for the fact that Joel Embiid's not 100%? Who do you have confidence in? Has that James is Harden why the Celtics are prohibitive favorites. <laughs> that pause right there is why the Celtics are prohibitive favorites. Has James Harden learned how to make a two over the last week? Perhaps. Maybe in Vegas, you know, you get a little, <laughs> little two-point shooting uh, ability. So I've been thinking about this because, look, I, I, I think there's a chance it's going to be the same thing as last year. You, you go into the road arena as massive, massive underdogs, just hoping to get one, hoping to have the one game where you make 21 threes and Boston shoots 26% from three, where some weird stuff happens. Maybe one of their guys gets in foul trouble. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Maybe Joe Missoula has the worst coaching game ever and Doc runs circles around him. Maybe they play Rob Williams too much. And and the Sixers, even though I got to say, like they probably can play Rob Williams now because – the the benefit for the Sixers playing Rob Williams is when Joel is in the game, right? It, does, it gives them a place to hide. It gives them a place to have shorter closeouts, shorter rotations against people. Uh, the one thing I will say, so you're going to start B-Ball Paul, right? We're, we're talking now before Joe enters the season or the yeah. series. Yeah. I do think you have to lean into, so you go Harden, Tucker, Harris, B-Ball. I think you're switching absolutely everything with those four guys. And you're telling Maxi, if they want to screen with smart, go ahead. We'll do the hard hedge and recover or whatever. Or, now, maybe eh, maybe it's going to be hard on smart and Maxi on white just because white might be a little bit too quick. Whatever. I think you tell Maxi, you know, do the hard hedge and recover like JJ. You got to work really hard. A- at least you tell them you're not getting the BS Horford pick and pops on us. Yeah. You might get it off ball movement after you beat one of the guys off <laughs> off the dribble, but you're not getting it off the first action. Um, and I will say, B-Ball Paul defending their wings, look, he's got to stay out of foul trouble, but B-Ball Paul in one-on-one perimeter defense is a pretty good thing for the Sixers. Yeah. So that is where I'd, <laughs> I would try and hang my hat. I'd say, look, look, we're, we're going to go switch everything. We we are going to try and contain you one on one, and we'll see with Harden. We'll see with Maxi, but hopefully, you can get them going one on one against Tobias, against PJ, and against B-Ball Paul, and then maybe you have a shot. That that is where I would start. And that really is, if you're going to, you know, tell me to write a script on how the Sixers can win this series, 
somehow could just be luck. You, know, you could have a game where maybe Jason Tatum gets every open mid-range shot and he just misses them and Sixers are making threes and Celtics have turnover problems, but you find a way to win game one and you have Joel Embiid sit out game two because you already sort of got that split in Boston. And now he's semi-fresh, feeling a little better, coming into game three and you have a chance. But you're pretty much relying on shooting variance. You're pretty much relying on luck. I don't know what advantage the Sixers can press to make that happen reliably. Really, I think they, it, have, to, I think they have to play so fast, too. That's the yeah. other thing, too. Yeah, like, and you, look, you with have to Joe throw out, the ball out. You, can, you can run. You can run. I, I think Harden and Maxi like, Maxi has to gamble against these guys. Maxi has to, yep. like... I didn't like some of those drives in that Brooklyn game four. He might have to do some of that against Boston where you're pushing the pace going one-on-one against one of their taller wing defenders trying to score. Scoring in the half court is going to be tough. And look, the the script is James Harden looks like he did in January and he can control the offense. Maybe Boston starts doubling him because his step back's going in. I will say Al Horford is not great at defending that step back jumper. From Harden. If Harden gets that switch on Horford, he usually gives him a lot of space on that. And Harden, I think, against Boston this year has been okay. He will need to be great against them. I'd say but better he, than okay. 25.5 yeah. points, nine assists, 47.5% shooting, 42.4% from three. Well, it was that first game. That yeah, he had was, one big was game. was a big one. Yeah. 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 Uh, but even, even his bad games, like, I think afterwards we, we, we were saying, Embiid, great. Harden, Okay, decent, acceptable, whatever. Everybody else, bad. Okay. Yeah, well, that was that was a weird start to the season when Harden was fantastic and Joel Embiid was like, what's going on? You really did take yeah. the summer off. Yeah, yeah, that was the beginning of the season. But I'm talking the recent games where Harden yeah. was, he was okay. He, he wasn't terrible. So, look, and I, I don't think for Harden, this matchup is like that much harder in terms of scoring than the Brooklyn series. Like, I think, Brooklyn had some pretty long defenders that he had to get around. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I, I think Boston, these guys are pit bulls. They're good on both ends of the court. That's why they're they're title contenders. But strictly defensively, I don't think it's like a crazy step up in terms of defense. No, it would be one thing if Harden was picking on Brooklyn's weak defenders, but he was getting by good defenders. I really think, maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into something and it's hard to talk yourself into Embiid's house, so I'm picking Harden. But the farther I get removed from that Brooklyn series, the fact that he had the burst that he had, like he looked better off the dribble than he's looked since that Achilles injury. He just turned into stone hands, Robert Covington at the rim. I, I have to think that he will find a way to make a layup and not shoot 20% on them. I guess. I guess. Speaking of Robert Covington, Jay King brought this up to me today. Remember the 2018 series in which rookie Jason Tatum, when Robert Covington was first team all defense, made him look like his feet were in literal cement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sucked. That was like the, the 80th Wire. worst thing the Celtics brought up. To the I just completely forgot about that. These guys have owned the Sixers for so long. There are things like Baines, like Tatum beating Covington, like a drum. I just forget about these things at this point. You know, I, of course, I remember the hits. I remember. Was that you know, the, the confetti dra- series? It was the confetti game, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, thought that was which, by the way. And By J.J. Way, had that that lost the ball at half court or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and then they horrors. and then they ran the good out of bounds play at the end. Uh, I believe it's called winner. They won. Uh, that series a little closer than I remember too. Sixers just just too green. That Boston team yeah. was 
probably the worst one they were going to face over the next few years. There were worse Boston teams than that, but the Sixers, when they played them in the playoffs the next two yeah. times, 20, and now this one, they're better teams. I mean, the second sure. one barely counts because the Sixers without Ben at that stage were not the Sixers. No, they were not. So that's one thing. What uh, Here's the big one, though. Let, let's say Harden, let, let's say the week off did him good because I could buy that. I could buy the week off doing him good. And it, it was a full week off. It was it was eight days. So I mean, look, when you have enough time to get to Vegas, get in a fight, and get back, like there's a little bit of downtime. And I use fight in quotes. It was a little bit of a you know disagreement among associates. I don't want to. It was it was enough to get on TMZ though. It was. You don't want to be on TMZ during the playoffs. But quite frankly, a, a second star on TMZ is like if you're listing the Sixers' problems, it's very far down the list. It's not great, but it's not the end of the world. Okay, so let's say Harden looks better. What what the hell are they doing with Maxi? He was horrible against this team yeah. all season. Yeah. Uh, get him out in transition. I think you're right on that. I think if you confine this to a half-court game, will Maxi have a big night? Possibly. Um, but I think it's going to be tough for him to be consistent because they just have so much depth on the perimeter. There's not a weak defender in their rotation. There's just not someone for Maxi to pick on. Uh, and they're so disciplined and they're so... Uh, simplified in their scheme, and they're so good at communicating when they do have to switch. Um, it's tough for Max to find someone. I don't think he's going to score in one-on-one that well against these guys. I think that's that's very clear. But you're right. Got to get him out in transition. Look, and, and some of this falls on Harden. Harden's got to find a way to generate open shots for him. Like that's Maxi's numbers against Boston this year were brutal. Like ter- Like we're talking, he shot 35% from the field, 21% from three. Really, really bad numbers. The most concerning one to me, though, is he only took three and a half threes a game. He has got to get shots up. Uh, And some of that might come, you know, early clock, semi-transition, get out on the break, and just attack them before they're set. The problem is they're really good at getting back in transition, and they're really good at communicating and picking up shooters, streaking down the floor. They're a tough... I mean, look, defensively, they're a very tough matchup, which is a problem since all slowing them down, slowing down their offense just got way tougher. With this Joel Embiid news. Maxi averaged 10 points per game on 40% true shooting. 40, 40. Not, not like 49, 40 against these guys. It was brutal. Uh, and that he had the benefit of playing with Joel Embiid in those games. He, uh, he needs to be better. I, it's a great point on the threes. He's got to get up 10. Like the, the, We mentioned the variance. He is the Sixers variance. He is the yeah. guy who... and. Especially because their other high-volume three-point shooter you can't fucking play in this series, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. There have been games this year when Joel has been hurt. Sixers play fast. They get a couple stops with Bebop Paul. They pitch it up to Tyrese. He hits a couple threes. He starts to get out in transition. They're going to need one of those games. They're going to need one of those, like, Toronto from November, late October, whenever that was, when Joe sat. He scored 45 points or whatever. They're going to need, like, a 35-point game from him. And... As much as I think this is a bad matchup for him, I do think it's he's capable of scoring 35 yeah. against anybody. He's that talented of a scorer. If Boston takes him lightly, I don't think they're going to, uh, especially because Joe is not in the scouting report probably for the first couple of games. If they take him lightly, like he's capable of putting up a huge performance on them, but it's it's almost a must at this point. Like They need yeah. Harden and Maxi to both play B plus at least games 
to give them a chance in, in, in one of those games. Now, if they get it at the same time, then they might have a chance to steal one. But but it is a very tough ask for sure. Yeah. Yeah. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks. And we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right. Two-part question, because it's kind of like moving on to the role players. Do we continue seeing playoff PJ? And what's the, I guess, three-part question. What's the bench group, not group, but what what are the, what players are you bringing off of your bench? And what players do you think Doc is, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think Doc is going to play George Niang? But with a roundabout way of saying, yeah. I do think he's going to play George Niang, to start at least. Should we what expect that to go any differently than it did in regular season? No. I mean, look, if he makes four threes in a game and you know, that that would take probably some scrambled floors because it's like you said, the Celtics do a good job of taking away the Sixers three point shots. That's a big deal because the Sixers, as we've said, they are the best three point shooting team in the league and George and Tyrese are their two best shooters. I think, I think it was like 30 and a half attempts per game. So I think it was uh, among all the teams that played the Sixers this year. It was like the sixth least in the league. They're going to need to get up more. Now, part of the reason for that is like we talked about with Joel. They don't do any of these crazy rotations. They trust their one-on-one defense, which when you have Joel, he can light that up, but they don't help quite as much on, you know, drive, drive and kick, that, that type of game. You kind of need that type of defense for George to play. You need the Milwaukee yeah. defense for George to play. So I don't think it's going to go well. Uh, now, who would I play? Look, 
the minutes without Joel were a disaster in the, the entire season against Boston. I feel generally better about them than I ever have for this team. Yeah. But this is a really hard matchup. There's a reason they are title favorites. I think you got to play Melt a bunch of minutes. I think you got to play McDaniels a decent amount of minutes unless he just doesn't have it. And I would wonder about maybe playing Daniel House too. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. It might happen by necessity because George isn't good. But that's kind of how I would go about it. And yeah, I would play playoff PJ. Yeah, of course. He had a couple games. No, no, no. I do, where, yeah, of course he's going to play. But like, do you think, are you concerned about how they help off of him? And can he make the same impact he had against the Nets? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I guess that that's what we didn't talk about. And that's kind of the worry about Rob Williams helping off him. That's not fun. Rob Williams is good at that Romer role. Yeah, I, I am concerned about that now that we're talking about it. Now, if you play Rob Williams, I think they get easier to guard on the other end. Even though he's a pretty good finisher, they get a little bit easier to guard. Uh, yeah, yeah, I am concerned about that, of course. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, guess sort of to answer my own question, certainly I think you will see George in the games, game or games, that Joe is out, just because you're starting to run. I mean... I guess you could play Dan House over him. I guess you could play Shake over him. Doc has shown little willingness to really do either. I'd probably go Dan at this point. Just it's the best of your bad options. But I think he is going to go with George to start. Uh, but once Joe gets back, I think you have to trim it to an eight plus rotation where you've got your five starters, McDaniels, Melton, uh, and Paul Reed, and maybe a sprinkling of House. Uh, I think I think George can't play in this series once Joel Embiid gets back. I'm a little worried that he will, but I I think he can. I am worried about PJ, especially you know we we talked about if you have uh, Robert Williams on the court, it makes Joe's life easier on the defensive side of the floor. So maybe they don't want to play that matchup all that much when Joe comes back. But without Joe. Put him on there. Put him on PJ. Let him cause havoc on defense. Uh, that's going to be, I think, an issue. Gonna need to have... Look, I- I've watched PJ Tucker enough this year to know that even if he has a good shooting game, don't expect it the next night. Yeah, They're gonna need three or four games this series where he hits like three threes. They're gonna need that because they, they, you're right. They are not going to guard him. By the way, in the 52-point game, the reason the Sixers won was at the end... Yep. Made like what three? They, they decided I'm we're gonna help off Joel and PJ made three corner threes, yeah. which by the way, he had not made three corner threes yeah. or three threes at all in a game. He did it in like two minutes. Which, I think he had made like five in the entire month up to that point. And that was like the need, end of March, I think, wasn't it? I think that was the end of March. Yeah. No, it was yeah, it was uh, April second. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a step. I think I think I looked it up and he had made like five in the month month of March. Don't need him to make three threes in two minutes. But if he's left open, the shots that he missed against Brooklyn, and he missed a bunch, they need to start going in. And it's he needs to take them, and they need to go in, which is a very dangerous proposition because we have watched P.J. Tucker play basketball this year. It would be nice if that happened early in the game, so maybe that caused them to second-guess. Like, making them at the end was great. You took advantage of the space they were giving you, but it would be even better if you could make them in the beginning of the game and change the way they defend. Not that I expect them to be run out of their defensive principles because P.J. Tucker makes a couple of early threes, but it would at least nice, maybe they second-guess it a tiny bit. And 
we'll, we'll see what they do because I, I think their best lineup is the small lineup with White instead of Williams. I mean, but then you can get into an argument over, okay, maybe you want to play Brogdon or Smart or, or whatever. Smart, Smart has not been very good this year. And I think the Sixers are going to need him to stink up the joint for a full for a full seven games here. Yeah, but we've, we've seen playoff series against Boston before. He always somehow becomes a three-point shooter at this time of year. Yeah, he does. But anyway, I guess the, the one hope is that Boston really does not like opposing teams to shoot threes. They want to take more than the other team. They think that's how they're going to win. So we'll see. We'll see how much they help off Tucker. They they don't, I'll put it this way. They don't automatically strike me as Toronto would just put Jake Puddle on him and just don't even, don't even look at him. So, so we'll see. We'll see what they do. Now, I think that would be smart. And I think Rob Williams as a roamer is, is vicious. And by the way, Rob Williams played one time against the Sixers this year. The matchup, of course, was Horford on Embiid, Rob Williams on PJ. So I, I'm not saying we won't see that matchup, but we'll, we'll see how much respect they give PJ. They might they might yeah. give him a little more, just because they don't have they they trust their one on one defenders more. So could like we haven't mentioned Tobias. I'm not saying they're going to need Brooklyn game four Tobias. But they're probably going to need like four bully ball ISOs to go in out of like six. <laughs> they're just going to have to. It's <laughs> We are at the time of the year where we are relying on Tobias Harris bully ball ISOs to beat the best defense or the second best. Where'd they end up at the end of the season? Were they one, one, two, three? And it doesn't matter to beat a really good playoff defense because Joel Embiid's knee is hurt. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, all right. Uh, give me a couple of keys to the series. I guess we probably already talked about them, but your keys to the series, and then we'll get to predictions. First one is simple to me, and, and I know this could always be said for the Sixers. Boston has run the hell out of them in transition. The, the, the easy buckets just... Yeah. In a couple... In, in that third game in Philly, I remember, too. Sixers played better for the most part. They just gave up too many easy buckets to them. <laughs> now they should be better now. Uh, in, in that only that regard, they should be a little better without Embiid on the floor. B-ball will get back, and I mean, then again, Joe was getting back in transition before he busted up his knee against the Nets. But B-ball will be a committed uh, runner in transition. So that's key. Look, I, I think an, another key, and this is, you know, we, we mentioned Tobias bully ball isos. How do you think they're going to match up on Tatum and Brown? I, I think it's going to be PJ and Tobias, but which which one gets? It's a good question. It's a really good question. I would probably put Tobias on Brown just because the straight line drive speed is a little more, and I worry about that with PJ. But I probably trust PJ. Then again, Tobias's problems on defense are never one on one. Like he, when he focuses himself, commits himself, I think as a one on one defender, he generally comes out better than I expect. It's when you start getting in the communication and rotation that uh, I think he gets into trouble. And and I agree with you. I don't think these guys, as good as they are, are like the the Golden State Warriors off ball. Yeah, they're like picking a matchup. Yeah, they one wanna, on one on you. Yeah, yeah, they want to run enough pick and rolls to get the matchup they want and attack it. So so it's a good point you make. Like I would put Tobias on Jalen Brown for that same reason because his first step is just a little quicker, and he can handle it better. That said. I like Tobias on Tatum 
he he did a good job on yeah. him in that fourth game. He did a very good job on him. And Tatum, yeah, like I know he's gonna finish fourth in MVP. He he has not been setting the world on fire for a couple months here. He did not set the world on fire in a couple of those games in that Hawks series. A lot of a lot of threes for a thirty five percent shooter mm-hmm. who has been shooting worse than that since the first month of the season. He shot yeah thirty five percent on ten threes per game against the Hawks. But I guess I, I just wonder, it's just tough because Jalen Brown is so damn good. And unfortunately, as playoffy as playoff PJ can get, I just I just think he's too fast for him. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I do think the six I mean the Sixers are probably better positioned to defend this team. With a healthy Joel Embiid, they're better positioned to defend this team than they probably ever have been. Ever. With yeah. the addition of PJ, the addition of McDaniels, who I think has been a bigger uh, contributor than I expected when they made that trade. I think he's stepped in there and filled a role. The, even the addition of Dan House, you could bring off the bench and at least have a live body to throw at him. But you need Joel Embiid to be able to step up to the level of that screen. Otherwise, it's just going to be too easy. And I don't know if he can do that. And I'm just, God, they're so good. We didn't even mention Brogdon. No. Melton's been really good for the Sixers this year. Brogdon is Basically yep. gone by him whenever he wanted. <laughs> and I mean, White has owned that matchup with uh, with Tyrese. Maxie. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. That's a team that has gotten the way they've just been able to get White and Brogdon these last couple of years is that's a really tough team. That's a really deep, tough team. They're good. Uh, so look, the Sixers are in the same spot they were last year. Like you're trying to steal one of the two games. They're not in the exact same spot. I think they're a little better off without Joe. They have a deeper team. Harden has been better this year. He wasn't better in the the first round series. DeAndre Jordan is not on the roster, although Montrez Harrow still is. What do you think they're doing backup center wise? I know I know B ball is the is the forty eight minute man now, but uh, I don't think he's quite going to get there against these guys. I mean, it's got to be PJ, right? It's got to be. There's no way they're dusting off Deadman or Harrell to be backup center, right? I'm I'm asking, I'm begging you, right? Right? Did you it's wa- gonna be did PJ? You watch game four? It's gonna be PJ Rich, right? No. I, I did you watch game four against Brooklyn? He played Trez and Trez is I mean, it was only for one five minute stint though. And and you're right, against and against Brooklyn, it was not that harmful and fine, whatever. You're just trying to get through the game. You it's going to be harmful against this team. It's going yeah, to be you can't very do it harmful. Against, that's why I'm I'm basically <laughs> begging you to give me the answer that I want. I d I don't know. We so like I mean we 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 gave go back to the last podcast we date we gave Doc Rivers credit, which a good series against the Nets probably not talked about enough in part because you had an epic performance from Tyrese Max at the end of Game Three in part because you had the Embiid injury to worry about after Game Four. He deserves a lot of credit for that series. He is going to be tested in significant ways here, and. Maybe he can make all the right decisions and it's just not going to matter because that's a really good team and Joel Embiid's compromised. But if it's even remotely close, they need him to be at the top of his game and not make some of the mistakes that he seems like he is predisposed to. He's he's got to be real good. He's got to be he's got to make every right decision here. I guess let's end on a on a more positive. Like, well, we let's... have to give our predictions. And I have a, a guess they're not going to be positive. Okay. I guess we have to do that. What's your prediction? I will say Celtics in six 
and give the Sixers a 25% chance of winning. If I'm being honest in my heart of hearts, it's probably thinking Celtics in five, though. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to say Celtics in five. Okay. If this was different, if if Joel Embiid was healthy, I think they have a 40%, 45% chance, maybe not quite a toss-up, but I think they have a real legitimate chance. I'm just very concerned about Joel Embiid not only missing time, but what he is going to give you on the defensive side of the court. And if Joel Embiid is not there to cover up mistakes, and you have a worse than regular season defense against this Boston team, it's I think it could get tough. If Joe was healthy, I would have said at minimum six, and you probably could have talked me in a seven. Yeah, I probably would have said Celtics in seven and told you it's almost a toss-up, that they have a real chance. Yeah, And I would have believed that. Uh, unfortunately, the uncertainty is is forcing me to do this. Okay, that's the negative part of it. The way the Sixers win this series is, look, and by the way, hardest series they have on the, on the schedule remaining. I get it. Phoenix looks pretty good out west. Not going to play a better team than this. So you beat these guys, then you get home court advantage in the next round against a worse team. You you have a real shot, okay? So win this series against the best team you will play. Then you have home court advantage against a team you should beat in the next round. And then you have home court advantage against a team that's probably just about as good as you in the finals. So look, this is where the Sixers have to be epic. And how does it happen? Well, you have to steal one of the first two games, whether that's with Joel or without him. And that probably is going to be without him for the first game. So you're going to need Doc Rivers to summon all of his experience of coaching 15 seeds to NCAA championships. And, and they got to pull a rabbit out of their head. They need Harden to have a throwback performance and they probably need to shoot 50% from three. It's possible. They shot 39% on the season. So they're, they're pretty good at it. Um, you get that, you get one of two, you get Joel back at, you know, 80, 90%, something like that. And his presence makes a big difference. He's probably hoisting the MVP trophy at home on Friday or Sunday. We're going to give one of those a win. You can't, can't lose that game. I don't, I don't care what the Celtics are throwing at. You can't lose that game. Uh, and then, you know, I don't even know. You have to win two more after that. So it, it just seems like a monumental task, but, uh, if they look, that's where the Sixers are to start this series. If they win this series, it will be as epic as it gets. Yeah. Yep. And we will sing their praises. And I, I truthfully hope it happens because I would love to cover a conference finals. I would love to cover an NBA finals. I think Joe deserves it. I think he deserves to be healthy. I think he deserves the MVP he's going to get here, or we expect he will get here in a, a week or so. I think he, all of that is true. I'm just really, really, really bummed out about this knee injury because I think A, it sucks for him and B, this is a tough team, really almost impossible tough team to have a hobbled Joel Embiid against. It's just the one you don't want Embiid to be compromised for. So we're ending on a positive note. Phillies have won seven of their last eight and Nick Castellanos is crushing the ball. Yeah, Phil's playing That's my positive note. Another six to one win here today. Nice job after a bad start. I, I, look, I, I hope I hope this is all rope dope, and Joel Mead comes out and looks fa- plays right off the jump and looks fantastic and is moving like he did in the first two games of that Brooklyn series. I truthfully hope that is all true. Maybe it's just the Shams report. Maybe it's just 
Doc Rivers' surprisingly candid comments. Maybe all of that is just weighing me down. Almost all of my pessimism is coming from that sprained right knee. Okay, I'll say Celtics in six. Let's let's end it a little more positively. Still a loss. I, but a by me being negative, it talked you up on your prediction. So if, if I just start like being woe is me for another half an hour, can I get you to pick the Sixers in seven? Sixers in four if you did it for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, I think this was the team that could have given that, that Celtics team a real test. I think they were positioned pretty well. Yeah, and I, we were talking about this at the end of the regular season when they lost that close game when, uh, you know, Joe dropped forty or something. We're like, look, don't overreact to this loss. It was a close game. Tatum made the big shot. Yada yada yada. I think these two teams are close. I I believe that. I think fully healthy Sixers have a very legitimate chance. I don't think this Boston team is unbeatable. I just don't know how Embiid is going to compete defensively. That's a problem. And I think the other issue is that when we look back to last season's series against Miami, we absolutely ripped James Harden along with everybody in NBA media. We ripped him a new one after that game six performance because he was awful and he basically quit on them. As much as the Sixers looked like they didn't belong in those final two games, they were 2-2 when Joel played. Like, the... When you play elite teams, I have come to understand that there are going to be nights where the Sixers don't look like they belong on the same court as them. And there are nights where they do and they're going to win games. And it's just that these teams, they they can't have such a slim margin for error against this group. And I guess that's my fear for these guys. It's just like those first two games on the road, we will see what happens with Joel. But that's my fear. It's like... Are they going to be coming back down 0-2 because they didn't have a chance? And then Joel comes back, and maybe they play pretty well, but you got to beat them four out of five. You know, it's just it's just tough. Yeah. Uh, no, four, that's, you that's need kind one of my of first two, for sure. Um, I mean, the hope, like I said, somehow you win game one. Maxi goes off for 35. Boston shoots 25% from three. Tatum never gets going. Come back. I have Joel Embiid sick game two because you've already won one out of two in Boston. Come back with a rejuvenated Joel Embiid. With his knee in better shape than you expect, uh, and you only have to win, you know, three of the next five. You that's can do script. That. You can do that. I'm Easier just... said than done, but that's yep. a script. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.